You're listening to Stir Crazy with Steve Jenkins. Conversations with creatives during the quarantine. Hey folks, what's going on? This is Steve Jenkins. Welcome to Stir Crazy. This is the seventh episode. Normally I'd have stuff to say up front, but you know what? I think we should just dive in because I have such a dope guest on today's show. Today I'm talking to the great Mike Keneally, who's one of my absolute favorite musicians and people. I'm not even really sure where to begin. Mike's a phenomenal musician who's in a class all of his own. He's a freakishly good guitar player, an equally great keyboard player. He also plays some bass, and I'm sure he's killing at that also. And if that wasn't enough, he's an amazing composer. And as a side musician, Mike's played with people like Frank Zappa, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani. He's done music with Andy Partridge from XTC. He was in Dweezil and Ahmet Zappa's band from the early 90s called Z, which was actually the first time I saw him play, and I told him this in our chat. The first time I heard Mike's original music, I was still a student at Berklee College of Music, and someone played me his record simply called Hat, and that was a life-changing experience for me. Mike has a vast catalog of original music, and it features amazing compositions, great arrangements, and extremely intelligent and musical playing. A lot of Mike's music also features the stellar bass playing of Brian Beller, and I think that's how I was introduced to Mike all these years ago. Mike had just been out on the road with Devin Townsend on the U.S. leg of his Empath tour, which was in support of the album of the same name, which Mike also co-produced. And basically their tour got cut short due to COVID-19. And our chat took place a couple of weeks after the lockdown started. And our conversation went a little something like this. We're like two weeks into this quarantine. What have you been up to? Uh, how's, how's stuff been going? Um, you know, it's a, it's like some days uh, feel a little weirder than others, but but it's it's generally going going good. I mean, I, I right away just like looking at at uh, the reality of the situation and 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 thinking, okay, what what can I what can I do here? Uh, what should I be doing? And uh, and I you know once I realized that I don't have and I haven't had for a long time any any real like recording situation at home I, th- I thought it would be a, a good idea to, to get that dealt with but I you know I I needed some help so I, I reached out and did that GoFundMe a couple of weeks ago and, and the response to it was unbelievable so uh, right now I'm just kind of uh, sort of like getting some some ducks in a row about what i'm going to do when uh, when the gear gets here and uh and i'm i'm waiting on the gear and in, in the meantime i've got some some uh older material that i've been listening to and and uh and figuring out figuring out what to do with you know i'm just sort of trying to be a musician <laughs> in the in the midst of all this yeah well that's that's awesome man about the girl for me i saw that um uh, the, the notification and stuff. Um, what, like, I always feel like you, you have such a ton of output, man. Like, do you, is there like a Mike Keneally vault? I mean, is it, I mean, cause you just like the sheer number of things, um, you, you have to your name, like credit wise. And I just got MFTJ this morning. Like I've listened to it, but I actually bought it. And, um, uh, I realized I should have bought it Friday on Bandcamp day, but but nonetheless, I've been I've been digging it, man. I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but it's it's pretty great. Oh well, thank you. Thanks for for picking that up. We Absolutely. appreciate it. 
Um, but you know, it's it, it's it's not like this this huge vault full of uh, full of stuff. You know, be, we've put out so many albums over the years that I, I have like managed to release most of uh, what what I consider to be of of really good quality in in terms of the studio stuff. I mean, there's there's many many hours of uh, of live stuff, but not all of it is releasable from a, an audio standpoint, but. You know, early on there were there were people that were recording the shows and 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 sending me copies. So so many so many hours of 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 live stuff going back to the mid '90s and earlier, actually. Um, but you know, there is there is are some things, and that's uh, and that's kind of what I've been uh, checking out lately. Yeah, so I'm I'm like looking at the at the best of what is is currently there that hasn't been released yet and plus just like getting ready to start recording you know truckloads of stuff as as soon as I get the the rig working. Right on. Is this so is a lot of this stuff like beer for dolphin stuff or is it like um just maybe like variants of that band when you have like other people in the band uh like when it was like not the trio? The uh oh the 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 stuff that's that, that hasn't been released yet. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's 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 n- none of it's really BFD. It's 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 uh it's different different uh, lineups, different projects. Some of it is just me. You know, it's a variety of things. I'm 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 being intentionally kind of cagey here because I'm 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 still you know assessing it all. Oh uh, yeah, no, un- understood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> understood. Yeah, it's weird, man. Like, I feel like like I don't. I was trying to remember. Like, I remember when I met Beller because it was. Pro- I think the first time I met him was like 2005, and that was the first Nam I'd ever gone to. Um, but it's weird because you both have been like a huge part of the journey. Only because like I was at Berkeley. Like I started in the fall of '93, and so like I kind of got into Zappa at a weird time because like a couple months later he passed, but. I went to that show that Z did at the Paradise, and and like you were on guitar, Beller. It was Beller and Travers, and then the Zappas, and um, that show was great. And then I remember Beer for Dolphins did a show in the BPC with Frank Briggs, and that was cool <laughs> as hell. So it's like, but I so yeah, so you you were at that gig, huh? I was at both of those. Um, <sighs> Crazy man, just because like the you know that was like right when I was in music school doing that whole thing. And I can't remember, like, I remember I saw you guys at Johnny D's, like, there's a bunch of gigs. I was at the Mamakins thing, um, but but I don't remember when I actually, like, when we actually met or, you know, became acquainted and that, that whole thing, man. It had to have been, like, sometime after 2005, because we have so many mutual friends and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I assume it was uh, it was it was Beller that that uh, that connected us. But, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly what what year it was either. Uh, life moves fast, as they say. Um, oh, it's just it, and and faster as it goes too. It, it really is crazy. Yeah. Have you been writing anything in this time, or are you just sort of like kind of buffering and figuring out any moves? Like, do you have any kind of like creative regimen yet? Because um, I know we're not that far into it, but just just sort of curious, like what your process is. Um, I was working on some some lyrics yesterday. I, I I'm still like so uh you know coming to terms with everything so i I have yet to establish a regimen um right but uh i i 
you know, I'm, I don't know whether I'm I'm kind of putting it off and, and until the rig arrives. So so much of of my my process, or at least the way it's uh, evolved over the years, involves using the recording technology to make the music happen. Uh, but and and also it's like the after the the Devon tour was was canceled and and we all flew home from that. It took me it took me. A, a, you know, probably over a week before I even picked up the guitar. I think I was kind of in mourning uh, and still, you know, just like reeling from the situation. And, and now it feels more like, okay, I'm, I think probably a lot of us are starting to, I don't know if make peace with it is the right word, but just uh, become acclimated to the fact, okay, this is life now. Um, so I do, although I haven't yet, I'm, starting to realize, wait a second, I don't need to have a, a, a recording rig in order to compose. You know, I can I can just sit at a keyboard or pick up a guitar and write something. My issue is that the the uh, the older I get, the more it's uh, it's easy for these ideas to uh, to just kind of like uh, fade fade away uh, if I don't uh, get them down in, in some format. But I but you know that's the the phone is helpful for that. You know, it's just just to like get down an idea until I'm able to start recording it for real. So I think uh, I mean I know I'm going to be doing more writing in the in the days and weeks to come. Uh, of course, we don't know how long this situation is going to last. It would be amazing if, you know, three weeks from now, we're all just like running around and bumping into each other and saying, wow, you remember how that was three weeks ago? That was crazy. But I w wouldn't be surprised if that's not the case. So uh, I, I suspect that, uh, you know, I, I will be getting into a rhythm and a regimen, you know, in short order. In the meantime, though, I'm just kind of like uh, dealing with what I already have and and sort of preparing myself mentally to start becoming a lot more productive. I mean, I think the voice memo app uh, has been a pretty big component for most people's creative process. I know that's, that's kind of how I did my last record. You know, I, I would just document 30 seconds of an idea, you know, and then, you know, I, I'm not one of those people that can just write on command. Like I have to find stuff that kind of makes sense. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like building a puzzle for me and you know i'll just find the pieces that kind of work and see if i can make them fit together somehow sure i mean it, it it really does work it really helps and i've been doing that for a few years now i think uh uh probably you must be this tall which came out seven years ago was 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 the first album where i really relied on on voice memos as 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 a means of getting material started just sort of like uh getting down an idea and then and then using that idea later on to generate like there, there are four songs on that album that you know totaling probably almost a half hour of music that that were all uh the the, the germination of them was was just these little these little snippets on the phone and then on scambot 2 which came out a few years later which as of now is the most recent album the first song on that album is is called in the trees it's this 10 minute very elaborate thing and that was was pieced together basically the 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 ideas in that song and it goes through you know like probably a couple of hundred different melodic ideas uh most of that was was pieced together from from snippets and voice memos and you know once you have those building blocks in place then you have to like 
you have to really be a, a composer and and make sure that it doesn't just come off like uh, an endless parade of snippets that it has some kind of a, of a compositional flow to it that feels natural yeah it's it's weird i that's where a lot of my interests lie in this in this present day um you know as far as like music goes i mean i still practice bass a good amount and you know because that's my main thing i guess but you know um that's that's more like where my head's been you know like the past few years and it's sort of changed some things about my playing but you know i guess i guess i'm still technically in the arms race as far as the bass thing goes you know i still (laughs) (laughs) good way of putting it i think i think i uh I think I surrendered my my weaponry a, a, a while ago uh, in, in terms of that, but I, I still, you know, get into uh, modes where, especially if if it's like if I'm playing somebody else's music, if I'm doing someone else's gig, whether it's like a Devon gig or something, where there's just some some stuff that re- requires that that kind of the. Uh, more uh, artillery uh, approach <laughs> yeah uh, it's uh and it, you know plus it just it comes in handy as a as a writer to be able to execute uh intricate things you know because the the, the more different type of things you can play the, the more different kind of sounds you can make and effects you can have as as a you know a generator of sound <laughs> Yeah, I, you got so much facility, though, man. I guess it's it's not really. I mean, I think you just call on it when you need to. Um, so when you were working with Devin on the record itself, like how? I mean, it's sort of nebulous. As I mean, it, you know, it says you co-produced it and did some additional guitars and stuff. I mean, how did that actually work? Like, was he bouncing stuff off you? Did you have ideas? Like, what was the dynamic of that whole thing like? Yeah, it it, uh, it would be. It was a combination of of. Uh, Periodically, we would get together in person. I would I would go to his place uh, in Vancouver, and and work in his home studio and 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 work on ideas together. And and then when we weren't uh, in the same physical space, he would he would send uh, his his uh, sessions in uh, not his sessions but just bounces of of songs in progress to get my feedback. Um, but. Uh, it, yeah, I, w- I wasn't involved so much as a as a player on on that album. Although that I did end up playing some things when it, it, when it was just uh, he wanted to hear or I wanted to suggest something that was different from what he would normally play, um, or if it was a keyboard oriented thing. Yeah. But uh, in in general, it 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 really was a, a him bouncing ideas off of me and 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 getting my my feedback and my input on stuff it was you know not so much about uh, co-writing although i you know i had occasional specific ideas and sometimes he would say i'm stuck and and i would help him with with uh, a, a little bit or like there's a this is in the song genesis there's this little thing this little uh background vocal part that comes in near the beginning that's like it's it's building up and the the, the voices are layering and there's this one part that goes i'm always doing it i'm always in this eminent you know that and that was just a, this thing that i heard and suggested to him and he's like yeah 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 so and those those are more like producery type inputs rather than you know a, a co-writing thing it's a, it's an arrangement idea basically so you know i i, I would say that it, maybe 50% of what I did 
as a producer was arrangement, specific arrangement ideas like that. And then the rest of it was just being there for him. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, to hear him describe it, it was just the idea of having somebody else in the room while he was focused. Uh, it would help keep him focused. And, and so often there would, you know, he would be sitting there for 15, 20 minutes at a time working on something and not, not a word would pass between us. I would just leave him his space. And, uh, and then he would play something and say, what do you think of this? You know, so it was, it, it, it manifested in a number of different ways. Yeah. I mean, he always struck me as the kind of guy, um, and, and I don't know anything about how he writes, but just from listening to his music and being like a, you know, a fan, it seems like a lot of it, it seems like, you know, he, it's a lot, you know, a lot of thought goes into the arrangements and maybe he demos the stuff out and, uh, kind of builds off it from that. Um, so, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, that record is magnificent and it's definitely one of those listens. Like I, I remember I waited to listen to it when I could actually not do anything. Like I didn't really want to listen in the car. Uh, I, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want it to be a passive experience. Um, right. so I just waited till I could like sit at home and, you know, um, not that you need this, but I popped an edible and just kind of zoned out and it was, it was great, man. I put it, put on headphones and. It was killer. Um, it's definitely, definitely it, it's certainly an album that that uh, responds well to that kind of uh, focus <laughs> on the part of the listener. Yeah, there's 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 a lot there to dive into. So you guys were kind of like in the middle of a U.S. run or North American run. Uh, I'm bummed. I was gonna come to the show out here. Yeah, I'm bummed but too. It's I got a lot of friends who were sort of scattered around the world or just getting back as stuff was happening. So it's like you know, everyone's kind of got some kind of wild experience that they're uh, reeling from. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just been like an interesting thing. I was, I've actually just been here and I've been kind of, it was kind of busy up until that point, you know, up until like two weeks ago, like the Wednesday there was that thing. And I just was like, ah, well, I think that's it for a while, or at least as far as playing gigs and congregating with other musicians. Yeah, it was um, fairly interesting that 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 Wednesday, which I guess was was what that's two weeks ago today. So that was the the eleventh, yeah. and uh, and yeah, we were you know, we were still out on the road. We had played the night before in in Dallas, which ended up being the best gig of the tour. Uh, and then we were on our way to Nashville with a, a stopover in uh, in uh, Memphis, and and we were having dinner in the hotel. And had just found out that the San Francisco date, which was the last date of the tour, had been canceled. And we were uh, imagining that that was very likely, like just like the first domino, uh, and that and that other gigs were likely to to, to fall uh, as well. So we were expecting to hear at any moment that the LA gig would be canceled. And then while we were eating, uh, there the TV was on in the in the hotel restaurant, and we saw the the uh, address, the uh, president's address about the uh, European uh, travel ban. And uh, and we thought, okay, it was, it was our, our, our tour manager, Paul, who said, okay, this is a, this is a game changer. Uh, once, once the travel starts getting shut down in either direction out of the U.S. or to the U.S., that's going to have residual effects that are going to start to make travel very, very difficult. And, uh, and, very few of us in in the band and in the and in the crew live in the U.S. Uh, 
that a lot of us are in Europe, in the UK, in Canada, and we knew that travel was was going to become uh, a serious concern. Uh, so that was the uh, and plus, it, as we were talking about it, we realized: do we feel good about inviting people to come and congregate in these in these spaces? All all the shows were sold out or near sold out, so all the all the gigs uh, just like people jammed in there's no hope of there being any distance between people so oh, yeah. uh, we just realized wait a second <laughs> there are larger concerns here uh beyond the the travel and the the certainly the lost income the, the main the main thing is we just don't feel right about about having people come to these shows and of course you know many many other people came to that same conclusion right at the same time and uh and we were, uh, you know, because all all tours just got canceled, you know, almost instantaneously, practically. Uh, and we were just lucky that we came to that conclusion on Wednesday evening. Our tour manager got on the phone right away and managed to like book most of us flights really, really quickly. Like uh, four o'clock in the the next morning, I was in the airport getting ready to fly home. So it was. It, it it all turned around really really quickly. Jeez, man, we're all living through history. It's just it's a real uh, it's a real interesting, crazy, awful moment in time. On, on you know at least at least from from the standpoint of everyone's schedules getting decimated and maybe just the uncertainty of like what what happens next. Like, what do you think is going to happen to the music industry? When do you think? I mean, do you think it's going to bounce back? Do you think it's going to change live stuff at all? I, I mean, what what I do think is that when when we, you know, first of all, obviously, first and foremost, everybody just needs to stay home for a while and right. hold tight, uh, and then hopefully, if if this thing, you know, uh, abates and there's some sort of uh, You know, right now we're in this new normal, right? And and mm-hmm. and and then in a few weeks, there's it's it's either going to be a lot worse, or we're going to be starting to emerge into the next new normal, which is you know what happens after this. Obviously, we have no idea what the timeline is, but what I what I think I see coming, hopefully, uh, you know, and what I hope is happening now is that is that a lot of the people who have been behaving really thoughtlessly over the last week or so uh i hope that that a, a good percentage of those people are, are are starting to realize that they can't continue to behave that way you know mm-hmm. that this this is not a this is not something you fuck around with you know and it's it's not a, it's not a political matter and it, you know obviously there are, there are there are political issues that that are attendant to this situation and connected to it but at its heart this is just you know this is an an inhuman thing that has no uh concern for our petty political issues this is a this is a a germ that's just going about its business and and we kind of have to you know acknowledge that and and uh you know sort of like respect it you know it's like yes you you do what you got to do. I'm going to stay over here and just try to st- stay out of your path, you know? Yeah. And, and, uh, and so my sense of it is that hopefully that awareness will, will, will take hold 
I hope it's not too slowly. You know, I, I hope people realize that they that they need to acknowledge that this is a real thing. And that when we do come out the other end of it, maybe we'll all be a little more thoughtful and a little more grateful for you know what we do have. Uh, you know, it's it's the the idea that we're able to congregate together and and celebrate music and enjoy one another and stuff like that. Those those things are are blessings. So uh, I, I I hope that everyone becomes a, you know, I, and I don't exclude myself from this. I, I hope everyone becomes more appreciative of that. I like that take. I tend to see some optimism as far as like maybe what can occur on the other side of it, even though it's really hard to see around it right now. Sure. I, mean, I, I think, you know, we're going to see a lot. What, what makes me happy? And I don't I don't know if this is necessarily I don't know if we're going to be like in a quote unquote renaissance period where people are just going to make a lot of cool music, because I know I know some people that are just like, you know, they're just going to chill out for a while. Like they, they're it's a break for them and maybe they, they need the break to just recalibrate but i know a lot of people just seems like a lot of folks in our sphere the the idea of staying still is really kind of a scary thing and so you know people are trying to figure out what to do uh even if not for any other reason just to maintain a level of sanity in the whole thing you know um yeah it's it's, uh, i think it's real important real real important that that people uh you know just realize what what they can Kind of what their uh, pl- place is in the in the in the overall scheme of things, and 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 operate within that. You know what what can I do? And it's 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 yeah, it's for any number of reasons. It's 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 to help with your own sanity, but it's it's but it's also just to to keep uh, use it or lose it kind of thing. Uh, and and this is a real opportunity to use it. And yeah. and also uh, if. And, and and I know that right now there's a there's like an overwhelming amount of of, uh, of musicians that are doing like live streaming and stuff and 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 that and it's so it it, it might start to feel like there's a there's like a a, a surplus of, of that kind of content but you know it's it's like if if you if you go online and play something and it and it reaches even just one other person there that that's a connection you know that's that's something really valuable you've just done. And uh, and also, you know, from a more practical standpoint, musicians whose uh, livelihood is based around live performance—that that, of course, is not an option at the moment. And and people do need to get creative about ways to to uh, to monetize w- what they can do. And and of, of course, you you can't have unrealistic expectations because everyone's hurting right now. And uh, which is one reason why I was, you know, really kind of blown away by the response to the to the GoFundMe. Uh, it, was, it was just an incredible show of support and generosity, which I was really grateful for. Um, but you know, of course, that that money's getting turned over and and turning into this rig, which I will then, you know, I'm looking to to start making a lot of music. Uh, more than I'd made in, in in the last few years because my last album came out four years ago, so I you know I feel like I have a a lot of of stuff coming, and uh, you know and I I haven't ever utilized uh, platforms like Bandcamp and and Patreon and and now that I'm you know really aware of what's going on there I'm thinking man these are fantastic platforms and and even if this hadn't happened 
it makes sense to utilize those platforms in the in the current uh, you know the the realities of, of what streaming has has done for musicians incomes you know it, it's it's yeah. there's no one makes uh, money by uh, by uh, pressing a CD anymore so it, it's like so how how can you possibly make money from recorded music well the, the, really the only way is to have this kind of uh, direct and really personal relationship with the people who are interested in what you're doing and if if those people think that what you're doing is valuable then then they'll support you if they're able to so that's 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 an interesting world to you know and obviously a lot of people like marcus reuter who's in the uh in the Devon uh, band in, in Europe with me, we, we had a long talk about, about band camp and, and he's just like, it just, it, it just makes perfect sense for you to have all your music up on band camp. And, and the idea that, that uh, listeners can uh, kind of tailor how much they're willing to pay for, for this stuff. It, it's, you know, it's, it's much more personal than what the traditional musician uh, audience relationship used to be. And, mm -hmm. and, and that's good, <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good thing. I think it yeah. requires, it requires a, a lot of musicians to, to recalibrate what they think of as the relationship between what they do and the people who listen to it. But in some cases, it's a really good thing for a musician to remove themselves from that kind of rarefied realm where they're, you know, this untouchable, uh, uh, hero of rock or something, you know, there's very, there's very little use for that kind of mindset anymore. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Bandcamp. Um, I put my second record out and had Bandcamp sort of be like the, the default platform. Like I had pre-orders and, um, it worked out really well. And I've been, I've been pretty, pretty much a huge fan of it from the jump. And then Friday I put out like my first record with some live tracks and made, made sort of an expanded edition. And, um, I was pretty blown away by how many people wanted to like support that, you know, for a record that's been out for like, I don't know, like 16 years and stuff. But one thing I've always admired about your setup is like, you kind of have like a really great DIY thing. Like, you know, like you, it seemed like you, you and Beller, but I think maybe it came from you first. Like you guys were always kind of on the internet, like as we sort of knew it from like the mid nineties on, right? Like, didn't you have like a pretty big, you had a, you had a site. And I remember that's how I found Brian's site. Um, yeah. Had, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, the, and, and I have uh, Scott Chatfield to, to thank for that. Uh, you know, he's the guy who runs XOX recordings with me. Uh, mm -hmm. He, he's the guy who in 1994 said, uh, hey, you want a website? And I didn't even know what a website was in 1994. But that's that's when com went online, with with you know Scott running the show, and I was I was you know cranking out as much content as I could, just writing things, you know, blogging before there was such a word as blog. So we were uh, yeah we were kind of there uh, really early on, and then. Uh, then that was that was five years before we started the record label XOX, and then and then we were doing special editions and pre-orders and stuff like that pretty early on in the game. So it it did, and that was that was really Scott. That was that was uh, kind of the uh, the mastermind behind a lot of that stuff. Wow. So uh, it it was it was 
we were, we we managed to really use we we really leveraged the the idea of the special edition like the signed limited edition special edition double cd or or you know cd dvd combo and that was for a, a bunch of years that's that was what that was like the engine that made the business work and then you know over time it it just all of a sudden that what it takes to to create physical product is is and and the what you can realistically expect to sell you know really nowadays that the idea of of making a cd is pretty much solely so that you have something to put on the merch table at gigs because that's that's really where most people will buy a physical product uh, yeah but but <laughs> i don't know when the next gig is going to be so <laughs> it's like <laughs> and and i do think there are obviously still a lot of old school people and and uh Unfortunately, in the the kind of general genre area where we operate, uh, uh, I think there are more of those those kind of people who are just like, you know, give me physical product or nothing. If you don't if you don't press this on a CD, I don't want to know about it. And that's uh, silly. That maybe is a good word. <laughs> it is. It is. I don't actually have a CD player right now, man. Um, mm. Like I, I just upgraded. You know, like I had this iMac for ten years, and it had you know, like I did all my you know, like recordings on it and remote sessions on it and made a lot of music on it. And it had a, had a, a super drive. And then I just got a new iMac, um, like almost a year ago and there's no CD player. And, uh, it's, it's weird, man. Cause you know, like we're, we're sort of in this moment where vinyl has got like a resurgence and mm-hmm. people are buying vinyl and they have turntables and I have some vinyl and I, you know, I sort of like hunt and peck, every you know like i guess when, when things get back to normal i'm hoping to like do what i have, have been doing which is like every month i'll go to a record store and i'll like see if i can find some kind of gem you know and i don't just buy like the new reissues like i like to buy other stuff but one of my buddies was like you know cds right now are kind of what vinyl was in the 90s and yeah. which means yeah. you can just kind of walk in and like put down 20 bucks and walk out with a shit ton of cds um, like if you go to like Amoeba or any of these places with like use CDs. So I kind of want to get one just to have, um, like I just, you know, they're, they're kind of hard to find in a weird way. Like un- unless you want to buy like a, uh, sort of like a mini system or something. So I'm sort of on the lookout for, uh, like, I kind of wish I had my disc man from 2001, you know? Uh, right. Like I, well, I mean, I still, bad. Have, I still have uh, my MacBook, my MacBook pro, which was like 10 years old, uh, that you know because i'm about to get this this new mac that won't have a, a, a cd drive in it uh yeah. so right now my macbook pro is my only means of, of playing cds and i still have a bunch of cds and I, I still have a bunch of vinyl and and you know every format has it has its uh drawbacks but also has its real its real benefits you know and i still i still play cds in the car uh i still like the idea of of you know the the fact that you do uh, relate differently to an album when it's a, a, a physical product that you that you uh, manipulate. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's you just have a different relation to it, a relationship to it. And I I totally understand that. I just I don't understand the mindset that an album doesn't exist to me unless it, it ex- exists in a physical format. Because you know our whole lives we've been adjusting to to these. Uh, these changes in format if, and mm. if, if you want to hear new music you you kind of just like go where the music is i think 
Um, yeah. But also right now for, for, you know, the, the, the music lovers who are interested in, in supporting the musicians that they enjoy. Um, I think they, they, uh, uh, it would be lovely if, if people would realign their thinking and understand if, if, if I want to support this, this musician who, whose music I love, uh, I'm really helping out by not insisting that they spend the, the, the hundreds or thousands of dollars to, to create a physical product that ultimately will not sell well, as opposed to just allowing them to upload their new music. And, and then, you know, I can always, I can always download it and burn it onto a CD, you know? Uh, and it's, I, I, th I think it is up to the, to the artists to, to provide some kind of, uh, uh, documentation of the work and some artwork and something that that continues that relationship of of uh, you know something you can look at as well as listen to because that's a part of any any uh, every musical experience that was meaningful to me had this had you know uh, an attendant uh, visual experience attached to it uh, an album cover affects the way you you receive uh, a, a piece of music. Um, so I, I I do think that it's important to, to keep that that thing going, uh, but in in the new world it it would be great for uh, those people who are uh, anti the idea of of non physical music to uh, to realize that uh, they're kind of hurting their their favorite artists by insisting that they that they press stuff. Yeah. Plus, it's better for the environment, you know. That's, like it's, that's very true. That is very better. Um, I mean, I think I think the visual. I mean, the other thing is like the 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 pros side of like embracing the newer technology is like you can you can have multimedia. You can have like more content from an album, which you know, like if people are into the minutia of stuff and like that whole thing, um, that it's just a lot easier to do versus like printing it on or you know like manufacturing discs and stuff like that um you know that being said i mean not i know not every artist can do this or probably will ever do this but i do have the physical version of tools fear inoculum uh on mm -hmm. cd and it's and it's got that video screen when you open it up and it plays like this six minute alex so gray sick. thing yeah so it's, sick, man. it is and it just it it kind of feels like that you know it reminds me of because like, i think you know in a strange way like to me when we were in sort of the new era of buying music and by that i mean like maybe like right before itunes kind of became the thing for a while paid downloads like i think lateralist was the last record i stood in line for at uh i was still in boston then it was like the tower records um on newbury street like that three level one um, yeah 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 Actually, I saw you guys play there. You guys did that thing with Z, and you had like mm -hmm. those little Fernandez guitars and with the speakers in them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. But but that was you know that was it. I think that was the last time I waited out for music was was for a Tool record, and you know that record had a pretty elaborate packaging and stuff. And you know it's like I've been buying like older vinyl and stuff that I never had. I wasn't around when Close Close to the Edge came out or Twenty One Twelve. Like I got into it later, but I have those. I have them on vinyl now and it's like the, the whole gatefold thing. But I just yeah. feel like for, for someone that wants to have that kind of vibe now, it's like, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people that can do animation and motion graphics and you can totally 
have something that has that kind of feeling to it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's something cool about tactile, but it's also, you know, it's if even besides just the materials, like just to lug that shit, you know, like when you're on the road. Um, right. right. I, mean, I, remember, <laughs> I remember one time, I think this might have been like the first or second tour I did when I was still playing with Screaming Headless Torsos, but they had this huge bag of merch and they always had to pay over John it when we would fly. And it was yeah. like, I know that couldn't have been fun. So, well, I, I mean, it's, it's, merch is 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 a necessary thing on the road it's it, it's it like it, it really does help to to pay for expenses and stuff and and, and it's it's you know i i think that that is a real like point of purchase way that 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 uh music lovers show their support they go to the gig they buy the merch uh yeah. but the you know the 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 idea of downloading your favorite artist's new album rather than insisting that they uh, that they press it is is again it's almost like the the staying at home equivalent of going to the gig and buying the merch it's 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 a way of showing support you get you get the new music you you show that it, you just like maintain that relationship with the, the the artist you know just continue keeping up with what they're doing uh you know the, 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 there's 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 always room for these things to evolve, but and and I still, well, just like you, I mean, when 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 you get a a a package that is is uh, is special, like that Tool thing or a really nice vinyl album, it, it's beautiful. But yep. you know, the the reality of most artists is that if they're if they're forced to to press something, it's not going to be that special. It, you know, it might just be like something in a in a cardboard sleeve or something, and and it's. Uh, it's like, oh, there you go. It's it, it's there you go. fifteen bucks, please. You know, it, it, and <laughs> you're just hoping that you make your money back. Uh, I, I just, I, I think some some flexibility is is needed. <laughs> right, right. Um, well, so what do you think? Um, what do you think? Like, you know how there's always that that sort of trope about. Uh, like, you know, in, in times of great strife, artists need to create stuff. I mean, do you think musicians have any responsibility during this time period? Or is it just we all got to, like, stay up and make awesome shit? Um, well, I, I mean, I think every, the only responsibility, the only true responsibility that all humans have right now is, is to stay safe and, and, and not, uh, not infect one another. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Uh, beyond that, I think that as a, as an artist, in you know, it's it's like we're in such a strange time right now, and it's and it's so emotionally uh, challenging for everybody mm -hmm. uh, that you know some days you're going to wake up and and feel like all you want to do is create all day. Other days you're going to wake up and want to go right back to sleep again for twelve hours, and and I I don't think anyone should be. Uh, should be shamed for for feeling one way or the other it's 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 i my my hope and one of just for myself and i'm the only person that i personally uh want to tell what to do <laughs> my yeah. my hope my hope is uh is that once this uh once i get the recording rig up and running i i, I see myself you know being fairly uh you know, single-minded about creating a lot of stuff and i'm really excited about it and i i think it's what i have to offer as a person uh, I, I, I know that I'm going to be helped as a result. And, uh, and my hope is that this, this, the people who are like 
have been paying attention to me for the last 25 years will, will also be helped when I'm, when I'm creating this stuff. Uh, I do think that an, an artist is, is at their best when, when they're creating. Uh, but sometimes in order to do that creating, you need to take the, the break. You need to uh, just let ideas build up and you need to process what you're going through. And everybody's going through so much right now. Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's going to take some time to, to see how how we're all doing. <laughs> uh, but for, for, my, for my own part, I, I, I just can't wait until I'm able to, to start recording again. I'm, I'm like just champing at the bit. Right on, man. I, I know I can't wait to hear uh, what you're going to be putting out from whatever you start working on to uh, when it's complete. Um, one last thing that I've been asking people since I started doing this, are there any books or albums or movies, uh, you, you'd feel cool recommending for this time period? Maybe someone hasn't checked out. Um, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm all about Coltrane right now. <laughs> um, okay. uh, and it, it, I, I always find that there's, that there's always something, it's almost like there's something encoded in, in what he played. Uh, I, I, I get so much. Uh, from that, when I when I sit and focus on him, it's 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 almost like a really good meditation session. And I've also been meditating, uh, so you know I, I recommend that people meditate. Uh, speaking of movies, you know it's just like the movie in your head, uh, yeah. and and uh, and Star Trek Voyager, man, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That is a hell of a show. That's like uh, I think actually a, a wildly underrated uh, show. It's I'm, I'm you know nine times out of ten that show really surprises and uh, impresses me. Uh, so I recommend uh, John Coltrane, uh, Star Trek Voyager, and meditating. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. It's been great. Take care and be well. And uh, let me Thank know. Thank you, you too, man. Thanks. And let me know when you got some new stuff coming out. But. Uh, you know, I'll be in touch and, and all that. Sounds great. I'm, I'm really uh, glad that you asked me to do this. And uh, yeah, please take good care of yourself, Steve. Thanks, Mike. All right, man. Be well. Talk to you later. Take care, man. For more about Mike Keneally, go to www.keneally.com. That's going to do it for this episode, folks. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. If you like what you heard, be sure to smash that subscribe button, wash your hands, and be well.